you're going to have to let that go. Gentlemen, welcome to the Film Find, the greatest movie podcast ever. Assuming you've never listened to a movie podcast before, I am your host, Adam Portress, and I'm joined by Matt Smith. Hey, everybody. I'm here in the seventh circle of hell. It's the end of 2017, and we're facing nothing but nonstop hellfire. But how are you? <laughs> huh? Well, I hope you're doing well there in podcast yeah. land. <laughs> Tail end of 2017 really coming together into a uh, real shit show, I think. Oh, listen. Here's the thing. People don't like hearing this, but it's the absolute truth. It can always be worse. Even as worse as it can always be, it can always be worse. I think think we're on a downward spiral to finding out exactly how low we can go. And we don't even have any good goddamn music to go with it, except for what we're playing on this here podcast. (laughs) Because that's what we do around here. Let me tell you, uh, but you know what they do have? You know what they do have in their life that's good and wholesome and uh, and honestly adds value to their life? An episode that, of the Film Find, goddammit. That's what they oh, do. Oh, shit. They go, hey, you know what, man? I need a little something in my life. What can, what can I possibly do? How can I possibly turn this day around? You're listening well, I, I to gotta- it. I want to do something right up front, Adam, because uh, this is this is somewhat time sensitive for some of these. Okie doke. Uh, and and I don't really use them. You know, uh, I still buy uh, a fair amount of Blu-rays Same. every year. Yeah. Not not nearly as many as I did <laughs> back in the day. I feel you. But I still do buy uh, my fair share. Uh, I never use the digital downloads. Oh, never use them. Right. I don't know if you do, but like I, I, I have no use. I have the disc. I don't need it on my computer. Uh, very rarely do I want to have something that I that I'm going to travel with, you know. Um, so uh, I've been I've been on Twitter. I've been giving away some digital download codes. OK, if anybody if anybody wants to contact me on Twitter at Matt Boyd Smith, uh, I, got, I got some available still and, and I'm going to list them out. Here's what I got. Going all the way back, but the code is uh, still good until January 13th of 2018. So get on it. Got Gone Girl. Right? Excellent movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got digital code for The Conjuring 2. Oh. The, the Wolverine. Nice. The Wolverine. Yep. The uh, good one. Blair Witch. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Blair Witch. The the uh, sequel, the Adam Wingard sequel. Mm. Uh, so if you, if you've contemplated seeing that but did not want to spend money on it, uh, free digital download. We liked it. Here, here's a big one. John Wick Chapter Two. Oh, somebody a big can one. snag that digital uh, digital download. I also just purchased two more that you two can have. Got got a Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman. and. 
And fresh off the presses this week, Catherine Bigelow's new film, Detroit. So if you, if any of those oh. sound good, first come, first serve, message me on Twitter. So Detroit came out I'm on not, video already? I didn't know that. It came out this week. Oh, okay. That must be why I hadn't the, seen it yet, because it just came out. So, uh, <laughs> Yeah, so, so if you want some downloads, I got them. Uh, I am going to limit uh, one per person. Um, but, you know, come at me. Get your free movie. Didn't they also uh, get them, just get them before uh, they expire? Didn't they? Aren't they talking about bringing Detroit back out in a limited run for uh, award push? I believe. I right? think they. I think they did it. Oh, they've already done. Okay. I think it was earlier this month, like or like around the eighth or something. Like that. I don't know that if I don't just on account of when it came out and everything. I don't know that it's going to get the uh, the love that it deserves. But real good, real good flick. I think so too. So. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So so I wanted to get that out there. Come get some free flicks, everybody. Happy holidays. Yeah. And uh, same time there, if you are a uh, of the smart persuasion and everything, and you're one of those people that uh, supports us over at patreon.com slash the film fine, you'll notice there's a little something extra in your feed. That's right. We sat down and reviewed The Shape of Water. Now, this will come out on our regular feed a little bit later. But uh, if mm-hmm. you are in one of the limited cities uh, that is pardon me, currently out in right now, and you've seen it, and you're dying to hear some uh, really smart guys talk about it. Uh, Matt and Justin are on that show, so I mean, you know, and then every now and then Adam pops in. Uh, but uh, yeah, special guest Justin Mullis, who's been on the show a couple of times, uh, he joined us on that. Uh, it's a full hour-long discussion purely about that movie, so uh, you really should get on that, man. Uh, so that's patreon.com slash thefilmfine, and... We got some other stuff that we're going to tease a little bit later in the show. So uh, really, uh, <clears throat> really fortuitous for you. Is that, is that the right word? For you to what, go what? over to yeah. patreon.com slash the film fine. I think I used that right. I'm not a learned man. Uh, but y- yes. y'all should note that by now. I was like, well, that's not a surprise. <laughs> Adam's retarded. We all are. We're clearly aware. It's uh, it's out there on Front Street. There's no <laughs> We're not hiding that behind a bushel at this point. Uh, so, uh, on this week's show, of course, we're going to be talking The Disaster Artist. Uh, it's a movie about the making of a movie, and boy, does Hollywood like movies about the making of movies, and this one is about the making of one of the worst movies ever, some people say the best worst movie ever made, and, uh, we're going to be talking about that, and, uh, guess what, kids? It's based upon a book that Adam's actually read. Hmm. Oh, Shit. How about how about that thing? So I'll have some what we'll call insider information because I. Well, I mean, in, insider in that like this best-selling book has also informed people. But if you haven't read the book, I I, I admit it. I I admit it. <laughs> Adam worked on the movies. What he's saying, guys. Adam, just roll with it. Just roll with it. Oh, Adam was, worked uh, on this movie back in two thousand and three. They went through several yeah. first ads, and I was the fourth. So. Uh, so that's how that works. And he we'll, was there. He was there solely to get the 3D version of Tommy Wiseau's. I box. wanted to get 3D movie. 3D is not big now, but it will be come come 2017. 3D and IMAX. They'll do this. You'll do the <laughs> Atmos mix. You'll do Atmos Indeed. mix for movie. It'll be good. It's <laughs> imagine water coming down on head. Um, so we'll be reviewing that, and of course, uh, some movie called Star Wars: The Last Jedi. Uh, you know, sure, we'll talk about that too. And some little indie flick. Some, and we'll talk. Uh, and, uh, and here's the thing: as of this, as as of you and me right now, 
I don't know. I have zero idea what Matt thought about this movie. So I'm interested to he hear. Not it. discussed it at all. Not a I've bit. said some things on Twitter, but Adam don't get on there so much. I every now and then I'll I'll be on Twitter, but not by and large. And so I have zero idea of what he thinks of this movie. And to me, that's kind of exciting. So. Uh, let's get into it with a little bit of what you've been watching. Me, my list is not too huge this week because uh, um, a, a, a game came out uh, on on the Xbox here called uh, Player Unknown Battlegrounds, <laughs> and uh, uh-huh. I've been playing. It. It's not perfect. It's like it's a it's a pre-release thing. It's not an official release, so it's fairly buggy. Uh, there's some problems with it, but that happens with you know pre-release games and whatnot. But I'm having a whole heck of a lot of fun with that. It's been a giant hit on PC. <clears throat> And it's uh, recently come to uh, uh, the Xbox One and whatnot, and uh, I've had to, I've had a fun time playing it. It's just hundred people drop in, and it's last man standing. And uh, I've never been more stressed playing a game in my entire life. <laughs> you okay. parachute out of the jet with nothing on, and you're like, I gotta find guns, I gotta find ammo, and there's ninety nine other people here who want nothing more than to see me dead. Uh, it's a good time. So if you're uh, into video games, uh, Shaolin Dolomite sound, on Xbox. That sounds just like America. It is, pretty much. It's just like, scrap what you can and hope there's nobody else behind there so you can get a shotgun to shoot them in the face first on account of <laughs> they're going to take it from you if you don't. Uh, but the uh, the main thing that I've actually been watching is a show that is on YouTube Red called Minefields. Uh, I haven't watched the first season, but the second season is out. Uh, if you're aware of the YouTube channel uh, called Vsauce, it's a uh, it's it's kind of an offshoot of that program. It's uh, it's super smart, super intelligent, and kind of stuff. And uh, a lot of the things, I mean, I like some of the, some of the V stuff. I like, but it's almost like too smart. I think it's what a lot of people like about like uh, scientific programming. They love watching it. They love hearing all the scientific stuff, but they really don't know dick all about it. You know what I mean? So where mm-hmm. they just go, where they feel like they're a smart person watching it. This is a little bit more approachable in that way, but there's several different episodes. Uh, one is about uh, kind of the original dilemma of like, hey, there's train tracks, there's five people on this one, one person on another one. If you're in control, uh, you know, there's a train that's coming down. You can't warn the people. You can't stop the train. You have to go one way or the other. Which way can you? Which way would you go? Now, the most people, when asked in you know a questionnaire and everything, would obviously say, well, you if you have to choose one or the other, you're going to go to the one, you know, the one person, right? As opposed right. as opposed to five people getting killed, uh, but they've never really done this as a scientific practice. So they had to go through um, and talk about like, hey, can we do this as an experiment? Is this something that would be ethically, uh, you know, okay for us to do? Because you would be putting people into a position to where they think that they are actually going to kill people. Uh, so they discuss whether or not that is something that can be done, and uh, in that exper- experiment. There's another one that uh, talks about uh, video games and how that can help cognitive thinking and things of that nature. And they do like real world scientific tests and stuff and brain scans and whatnot. Uh, There's another one where he uh, goes down to South America and tries ayahuasca and uh, the different effects on your brain and things that that has. Uh, It's a really cool show. It's very good. It's about I think each episode's about a half hour, but it's on YouTube Red. And uh, I mostly have YouTube Red for the getting rid of ads because I do not like ads. Uh, but every now and then they'll come out with a show that's actually worth your time and uh, investment in. And I think they're putting out about one a week now. There's like uh, five or six of season two out right now. And uh, it's something that I would recommend you check out. So uh, check it out. All right. How about you? 
Uh, I got a few things. Uh, first up, got this new movie. It's uh, currently available on Netflix. Um, it's called Bushwick. You might have seen it on your uh, Netflix. It's been recommended to me, at least. I remember uh, Bushwhack with Daniel Stern. It's not that. No, this is, this is Bushwick, uh, the, the neighborhood in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And... Um, this this movie stars uh, Brittany Snow, who uh, everybody knows probably from Pitch Perfect, I would imagine, uh, and uh, Dave Bautista, who I'm increasingly convinced is a, a national goddamn treasure. This guy, his star, man, I'm telling you, he's really proven that he's something else, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, so this movie uh, makes great use of the actors, but the plot is very uh, standard and rote, and that's where it kind of runs into some of the problems per se with the film i don't i don't dislike this movie it played to a lot of my own personal uh, proclivities um what this movie is is uh basically texas and other southern states have decided they're seceding from the union hell yeah and uh <laughs> and as a means of uh doing this and getting the united states government to acquiesce to their demand of secession uh they have dropped a military force, a coalition, into the neighborhood of Bushwick in Brooklyn um, in order to take over that part of New York City and hold it hostage uh, as a negotiation tactic. Uh, Little do they know, of course, that uh, people in New York don't fuck around with uh, that shit, and uh, they they get into a a full-on war uh, with them. Uh, The film starts with uh, Brittany Snow's character uh, and her boyfriend getting off the subway. And, uh, uh, you know, they announced that the subway ser- train service has uh, been discontinued for the time being. And they get up to the surface and there's like explosions and shit happening. Uh, Brittany Snow is immediately left by herself on her own. Uh, And she ends up in the house of Dave Bautista's uh, character, Stoop, who then they work together to try and get to an evacuation zone. Uh, Stylistically, one thing this movie does that's really interesting is it uh, kind of sets up all of its shots in um, in sort of a one take fashion. So even though uh, I think. If you're familiar enough with editing techniques, you can kind of see your way around just those elongated shots. And it's not the whole movie. The whole movie is not played out as one shot, but each shot is played out as an extended take. Hmm. Um, it looks really good, though. Like, like it, it flows really well. It's nice to see them playing around with space and action in a very distinct way. Um, the movie looks really great. The acting's just uh, tremendous. Like I said, Dave Bautista, uh, he's really good, man. Um, I, I think I might watch whatever he does. Like, I, like I kind of don't care what it is at this point. And like, Let, even with stuff like you know, I mean, from Guardians to you know, like Blade Runner, where like you know, it's very underplayed, very understated kind of thing, but still you know, requires a physicality to it and everything. Uh, I think the guy's got a lot, a lot behind those, behind that big muscular giant body, you know? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Right. Um, so that one's out there. I'm going to give it a recommendation. I don't think that movie's going to be for everybody. And the plot is, like I said, extremely formulaic and linear in, 
uh, in ways that are probably to the detriment of the film overall. But, uh, but I really did enjoy myself with that thing. Um, speaking of those same issues, I also got another movie, uh, this week, uh, called unlocked unlocked is a kind of a spy thriller. Um, directed by Michael Apted, who, uh, you know, people know who he is. He's directed a lot of stuff. Uh, back in the 80s, he was kind of a, a big deal for directing Gorky Park and uh, Gorillas in the Mist is him. And uh, and Nell, uh, the, the movie with um, with uh, uh, Jodie Foster and Liam Neeson, right? So, so Michael Apted, very capable filmmaker. He's made a lot of great films. Uh, he's worked in television a lot. Um, this is not one of his best efforts. Mm. It's not a complete waste. The cast is really good. Uh, it's got, uh, Numi Rapace. It's got, uh, Orlando Bloom, Tony Collette, John Malkovich, and Michael Douglas in it. Uh, the problem is that like, we've seen these kind of, uh, CIA thriller action movies play out in exactly the same fashion many, 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 many times at this point. And so as much as I would love to see, uh, a very good movie, with Nomi Rapace playing kind of this uh, female Jason Bourne character that she she gets to kind of stretch a little bit and play here. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. Um, so this one I'm going to say is a skip. Uh, it's called Unlocked. Uh, if you're if you are a, uh, a Nomi Rapace uh, completist or fan like I am, <laughs> by all means uh, see it. She's great, uh, but uh, otherwise I don't think it's worth your time. Now, the last thing that I saw is something that you've seen. Y'all did an HMP episode on it mm -hmm. uh, that I didn't listen to because I tend not to listen to those when I know that I'm going to watch something yeah, can't believe and it. haven't seen it yet. Yeah. So, because I know y'all go really in depth. I mean, you spend the whole episode on yeah, that. Yeah, we, we spoil from the get of go. So, yeah. So, so uh, what I watched was uh, finally. Luke Besson's uh, most recent film, Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. And at the beginning of the show, uh, in the in the pre-show, I posited a hypothesis. Yes. What if this movie is very good? What if it's excellent? Well, what do you think? Adam? Here was my thought. Here was my thought initially with this movie was it had a lot of great ideas. It had uh, some pretty decent execution, but at the end, I think ultimately this movie was marred by its two stars. I think they're amazing together. Mm. I, th I think that individually, I don't like either one of them nearly as much as I like them together in this movie. Uh, I, you know, Dane DeHaan, I think, does capably good work in almost everything he's in. Yeah, I'd right? agree with we, that. We both, we both talked about him in, um, in that Gore Verbinski film, Shit, Why Am I Blanking on It? Uh, Cure for uh, Wellness. Yeah, Cure for Wellness, right? He's amazing there. Um, he, he's been good in a lot of stuff. I really enjoyed the play between him and Cara Delevingne's character, Loreline, right? Like, uh, they're, I don't know, like that relationship just made sense to me. Perhaps it was, uh, it being like completely in line with the comic books a little bit, uh, to, to where there's like an inherent, uh, goofiness and awkwardness to all of it. Um, I just, I, I really thought the film was inventive 
and uh, was not here to take itself too seriously, which is the downfall of a lot of high-minded science fiction these days, I think, especially uh, space operas. That's not to say that something like Guardians of the Galaxy or um, anything like that is, like, super serious. uh, And, like, right, like, those movies are hilarious. Here, though, like, the emphasis is different. This is almost like an Indiana Jones in space kind of thing, Mm -hmm. right? Um, To where there's, like, a level of camp, there's a level of uh, knowingness, and there's a uh, just a level of balls-to-the-wall just visuality to what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I don't know, man. I, I wish I'd seen this motherfucking thing in a big ass theater. Like that's where I come down on it now. Like to the point that I'm going to have to find a way that I can, um, get into, uh, get into Emory over the break and like, like, you know, plug it into the Blu-ray in one of the big uh, lecture halls and just watch it. Um, yeah, as my memory serves, like I, I don't think I ha- I didn't hate it. I did not I did not hate the movie, but I I, gosh, I don't really remember what my grade was. Uh, it's okay. It's not as it's. I don't, I don't think it's a bad movie, but I think that yes, there are a lot of interesting things that go on. Visually, it is great. I love the idea of um, the uh, with the, the like the hollow glasses and stuff like that, and being able to steal uh-huh. things on another plane and stuff. I thought that was super interesting, really neat idea that I don't think anybody's explored anything quite like that before. Right. Uh, so, no, there's a lot. To, there's a lot to like about it. It's, I mean, we just didn't. They all totally. They also. They also uh, make. Um, <laughs> they make Herbie Hancock. A space, uh, a space general, right? Like, yeah, he's the he's the defense minister that they work for, and it, it's fucking Herbie Hancock, which of course it should be. And right? John like, Goodman's a big giant job of the hut looking motherfucker. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it, it, like, it really is like there's a level of insanity to this movie that I think makes it work overall. I'll, uh, I'll so, say this: If so you're I, a big fan of like Fifth Element, which is also another Son film, uh, you'll like this. I, yeah, I, and I'm I think, a huge Fifth Element. Fan. I, I'm not. So, but I think, but but if the, <laughs> but if that's your I, bag, I like, you're I like definitely Rihanna's character in this thing. I think she like that that whole sequence was amazing. Um, I just think it's it's a lot of fun. It's it's worth a watch for sure. I would I would definitely say it's worth a watch. So, uh, you want to get down to business? Let's do it. Uh, First up here, let's take a listen to the trailer for The Disaster Artist. Okay, who here can really reveal themselves to the class? Anybody? I go. Don't talk about me, not to class, not to anybody. Yeah, no, of course. Shop on time. Try not fall asleep, everybody. Am I hearing an accent? Oh, uh, no, no. What would you win? How old are you? Oh, wow, Greg age. You're 19? Yeah. I just turned 14. Wow, happy birthday. This is my movie. And this is my life. 
not great. You and me, we are the same. Oh yeah, how's, how's that? We both have this dream. That we'll be famous. Yeah, I guess we do. <laughs> you have a malevolent presence. You are a perfect villain. I could see you as Dracula, Frankenstein. I'm not Frankenstein. I'm hero. Job, I give them salary. I'm gonna spend five million dollars on this movie, Greg. Five, are you kidding me? Five million dollars? And they are not grateful. Nobody respects my vision. Where were you born, Tommy? Greg, that's not part of the scene. Now, you want an easier question? Where does the money come from, huh? Stop. This on camera. I know it's on camera, just like you want it. I do this whole movie for you, Greg. All right, that was the trailer for Disaster, The Disaster Artist, our first new release review of the week. Here's the IMDb plotline. When Greg Sestero, an, an aspiring filmmaker, meets the weird and mysterious Tommy Wiseau in an acting class, they form a unique friendship and travel to Hollywood to make their dreams come true. And it worked out perfectly. No, maybe not. This is uh, directed by James Franco, written by Scott Nediastetter. That's There's a lot of consonants in that name. Uh, Michael H. Weber, written or, uh, based upon the book by Greg Sestero and Tommy Bissell, starring, get this, Dave Franco, James Franco, Seth Rogen, Ari Granger, uh, Allison Brie, Jackie Weaver, Paul Shear, Zach Efron, Josh Hutcherson, June Diane Raphael, uh, Megan Mullally, Jason Manzoukas, Andy. There's eight billion people in this. Nathan Filter, Joe Vanity, Sharon Stone. Y- you throw a rock, you're going to hit somebody famous. Uh, so, Matt, you and I have both seen The Room. And now, do you oh, yeah. believe that someone has to have seen The Room to enjoy The Disaster Artist, which is the essentially making of The Room? I can't answer that because I've seen it. Do you see what I'm saying? I think like, so. Like I, like, I think that having seen The Room provides me with a very distinct understanding of what this movie is doing. Uh, I can say that... Uh, my partner, Marsha, her response to seeing the disaster artist, we, we saw it the night after I took her to see the room live, uh, live in a theater nice. for the first time. And she'd never seen it before. And when we went to see the disaster artist after that film, she came out and she's like, I do not know that I would have uh, cared what was happening in this movie if I had not seen the okay, room. Good, good. Because that's, that's kind of the idea. Because I'm like, I'd seen, obviously, I don't think... As as popular as an underground uh, success as the room has become, uh, low these years, I don't. I still don't think many people have seen it. Right? And it's getting it's getting a, na- a nationwide release soon. Oh, is that right? Well, Did you see that? No. Just just announced today in the Hollywood Reporter that Fathom Events is doing a one night screening of it. Well, there you go. Yeah, nationwide and in mainstream cinemas, not your local indie or art house or your campus uh, screening room. Well, to be fair, I did. Do, they did do a. I, I can't say that's entirely unfounded because they did do a uh, two screenings of it already with the Rift Track guys. So, 
Well, yeah, but I mean, this is just going to be the the movie. Yeah, the real which question I've done. I have, I've done that one too. So I've done it. Reg- I've done. I've seen it on the big screen twice. Once with them. The real, and then que- once the real question I have is: uh, are are the like Regal and AMC cinemas that are going to be showing the room through this Fathom events? Uh, how amenable are they going to be to people throwing a fuck ton of spoons into the screen? That'll be a good question. I do not know. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, what 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 the hell is all of this? We walk yeah, in here. I mean, popcorn. I, I get trash. I get, but but, but spoons. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we'll we'll talk more about the room in a very special Patreon exclusive episode of of the film find that we're going to post uh, probably this week. Actually, uh, just just by itself, and it'll be quite some time before that gets dropped in the regular feed. So if you like, so if you want to hear hear yeah. us talk about the the room, go over to Patreon.com/slash/filmfind and uh, you know donate donate a saw buck. Yeah, hey, and hey, buck. man, since uh, since the the great part is is that you know since Patreon went back on their like, hey, we're gonna f our you know the people that support people yeah. over, it, it's it's all good in the hood, everybody. Yeah, so, yeah, everybody yeah. was worried there for a minute. Uh, I, um, I was. <laughs> uh, so, so the disaster artist, yes, uh, is is critically acclaimed, right? I believe so. I, I think that'd be a good. It, uh, it is. I believe it's certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Somewhere in the at ninety two percent. Wow, higher than I expected. Yeah, ninety two percent. I believe. Let me check my box office here, but I believe that it's made money, uh, which I think is a small miracle. The ultimate goal of any movie, making money. <laughs> yes. Uh, let's see here. Uh, according, at least according yep. to IMDb, box office mojo probably a bit better, but uh, budget Th- $10 million. million. Okay, so 16 at this point. There you go. But, but that's not bad, because... Uh, I think this is still kind of a niche film, even as big as its cast is. Um, I don't know. Uh, Look, The Room is a cult movie par excellence. It has a devoted following. Um, This movie came out uh, 2003. I think so. Was it Adam? 2003, 2004, somewhere right in that neighborhood. Somewhere around in there. It's been 14 years. I know that. So uh, let's just say 2003. Um, Tommy Wiseau, the, uh, the director, um, as detailed in this film, was kind of this um, eccentric person who was uh, really into taking acting classes. He makes this movie with one of his actor buddies he meets in class. They move to L.A. together. You learn all of this in The Disaster Artist. Uh, the Room, as they're making it, has uh, just a shit ton of crazy stuff happening during the making of it, which is what this movie is about. Um, but then when the movie comes out, no one knows what to do with it. No, no one it, buys it's it. It's not this great. Is, this it's not. No company, uh, no like 20th Century Fox or whatever. Nobody, nobody has this, and not even A24 <laughs> has this. And it's just kind of out there, and it's being and, screened. And Tommy Wiseau, he pays for it to yeah. play theatrically for two weeks. He foots the bill for it. He rents out the, the theater for two weeks so that it qualifies for awards, right? Which is insane. Uh, for, I, I want to say, like, three years 
he rented out this gigantic. I think it was five. Uh, was it five, five? But this gigantic billboard in Hollywood that just advertised the room. Right. Good say. <laughs> uh, he spent six million dollars of his own, I guess, money on, <laughs> on this thing. Um, and all of a sudden, here we are. Uh, the, the indie theater here in Atlanta, the, the, uh, the Plaza theater, they play the room once a month to a full house. (laughs) The, the week before the disaster artist came out, they booked it for two weeks straight. I went to see it the Sunday that the film opened. Uh, we went to go see the room on Sunday at, I think it was like a 9.30 screening. Three quarters full. Whew. Right? And it had already been playing all week before that. Yeah. <laughs> That's wild. And, like, these people really are rabid fans of this. It, it's an event movie. And this film kind of gets at the heart of the insanity behind it. And, 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 it, and functions as sort of a love letter to it in many ways. Yeah, ultimately, this movie does not like. I mean, because as bad as the room is is conceived of, and it, it look, it's true. The movie's bad. It is. Yes. Um, this movie is it's very honest and frank about the actual what the movie is, how the movie got made, and it doesn't put it on. But at the same time, too, it's it's respectful of what was going down. You know, of of what they were trying to do with it. And now with this movie, it's not exactly, you know, there's some, obviously, because you got two hours to show a movie, um, there's, there's stuff that was cut out and different, and different things. And, you know, there's a lot of characters that have been like, you know, put in all together. Cause like, for example, uh, you know, Seth Rogen's character may have been in there for maybe half their production. You know, they went through several cinematographers. They went through several, you know, first ADs and stuff like that. Right. Most of the crew was replaced at one point or another due to being fired or just quitting, you know. And, and of course, the ending of the movie is kind of more more attuned to what, what is happening to the legacy of that movie at the premiere. That obviously did not happen. Uh, but that is more representative of, you know, the the life that the movie has had beyond its original, you know, incarnation. Yes. Because that they they, they did not do well. <laughs> that that screening was was not a choice of end. Um I, w- I want to say uh, that one one thing that's really struck me about the reception of this movie, I think, is um People tend to fall one way or the other sight unseen with most of his films regarding James Franco. Oh yeah. People seem to have a very passionate dislike of this guy. And I don't quite get that. Here's Uh, the thing. He's very Tommy for sure. In a lot of ways. What's that? He's, he's, he's very, he's, he's very much Tommy Wiseau in a lot of weird ways. Just more, obviously more successful. Successful and also like much more prolific, right? Oh, for sure. Uh, but but people seem to be like sort of really down on Franco uh, as an actor, as a filmmaker. 
I don't know if it's the overexposure at certain points in his career or if it's just they hate that he plays uh, smarmy dudes so well that they think he <laughs> is just a smarmy asshole. Yeah. Um, though, if you've if you've seen him in like recent interviews or listened to him in recent interviews where he's talking about this film specifically, like I don't I don't get that vibe at all from him. Um, but he absolutely nails Tommy Wiseau. Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> like like the cadence of speech, the weird accent, the mannerisms, they're all there. And kind of perfectly pitched. So are the rest of the cast. And not just in the reenactment scenes, but like the rest of like the rest of the cast is very good not in the in the room in quotes in the film. Mhm. They're very good overall. Like Seth Rogen is great as Sandy, the cinematographer. Yeah, somebody who's just like a little bit older, who's kind of been through this and everything, and yeah, shot is just some like things, what you know? what the hell is going on here? Yeah. Um, but that was very much. I mean, and it's it's straight from the book. And that's very much how Sandy was. Is like at the end of the day, while he was accomplished and stuff, he did kind of want this thing to go well. But like, I mean, you can only do so much. Yeah. Well, he gets that great scene where he where he gets his first paycheck and he goes to the bank <laughs> and and, uh, and he's like really surprised that it clears. Oh, and, and, and here's the thing, kids in the film world, especially you do super independent stuff. That shit's real. <laughs> yeah. Well, and yeah. And, and I think what what's really great about this film, too, is that it really does depict a true indie filmmaking experience in that like people are in there giving a lot of work for just a paycheck. Yeah. They're just like, I've got a, I've got bills to pay. So I'm going to make this movie. Right. Most of the people who are in the room outside of the actors are not necessarily invested in the film in any way whatsoever. Yeah. For many of them, it's like their first starring role or, uh, they're just doing it because uh, it's their side hustle. They're like, well, like like the lady that plays uh, the the mother in the film, right? right. Uh, who who says like, you know, the worst day on a movie set is better than the than uh, than most days everywhere else, right? And here's the thing: she's right. <laughs> she is right. It's, it's unless you're like me and you get bored to death on movie sets, but. <laughs> But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> There's a reason I don't make them, folks. Um, but yeah, right? Like, like this is a film that is very much just about, in many ways, the labor of small-budget filmmaking. Mm -hmm. and, and how you really have to care about it. And through whatever circumstances, whether it was like just the cashing of the paychecks or uh, wanting to get on screen or maybe you actually were emotionally or personally invested in the project. Like you had some sort of drive to do this thing and to do it the best you could given whatever circumstances. <laughs> exactly. It's just like, well, we've got to, uh, you know, we got to make chicken salad out of chicken shit here. Let's yeah. see what we can do. And, and having to contend with Tommy Wiseau's, uh, immense, uh, assholeish uh ass egotism at points where i'm not even sure if he's self-aware 
at that point. But like the scene where like he's trying to direct the sex scene and things have really gone bad between him and Greg Mm -hmm. and the rest of the set really starts turning on him and he's abusive to the actress that he's having a sex scene with. And she just keeps going because she's a professional, she says, you know, yeah, is rough to watch. And yet that scene is also played with a tone of uh, absurdity of just recognizing how fucking weird all of this is that makes it work. And for you to still see like Tommy as somewhat sympathetic. Right. It's, it's, it's one of those things that's like, it really kind of borders on stuff. And like the person that I would probably equate a lot of his kind of uh, stuff to would be William Shatner. William Shatner is, is a talented guy. Not that Tom Lewis is really talented, but uh, Shatner can be very unaware of his own surroundings. He can be a complete and utter asshole. And, and in his crazy mind, he's not doing anything that's not wrong. It's not good. You know, nobody wants to sit there and have that be an excuse for someone to be a complete and utter disastrous human being. But there are some people who will just do stuff and not even realize like, oh, that was that was uncouth. That should not have yeah. been something that I did. I completely unaware. And they're, and they're honestly, honestly not aware of it. And, it, you know, it's it's a it ain't good. <laughs> but um, right. There is, and and God bless the people that had to work on this thing, because Franco directed the entire movie as Tommy. Yeah. And, and, you know, because, and I can imagine trying to get in and out of that all the time, you know, because he's in the majority of the film. Yeah. Uh, So it's just stick into that and just keep on, keep on rolling. And Franco's already kind of a, somewhat of a methody sort of actor and whatnot. Uh, Well, Right. Well, he, t- he tells that great story of like them having to figure out how to shoot 127 hours. Right. And like, <laughs> like him really thinking hard about how do we make this seem like I'm out here doing it all day. Yeah. And then they, they just decide like for a certain portion of it that they're just going to like film that like he's out there all day. Like he's just going to be out there because they can run it, you know? So he's just fucking out there in the desert, this pinned in this rock. It's like the joy, <laughs> right? Um, and those ghosts that those ghosts that he saw that was real life. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, "Sweet Jesus, I can see my family." Indeed, uh, <laughs> this is bizarre. <laughs> old brother Dave going right at it there. Um, but yeah, yeah. Um, he he has a certain commitment to what it is he's doing. But yeah, it, it's it's nice to see because it is it is like somebody who I, I think if there was anyone to usher this project through, James Franco is probably about the best person to do it. And I think also the power of what he does versus you know co-starring with his own brother, uh, you never sit there and really think, oh, these guys are brothers. Because Franco does enough to really kind of get out of James Franco and really embody Tommy Wiseau, and just it it really works. And Franco also, and Dave Franco also kind of gives a, a pretty understated performance overall. And and honestly, I think he's almost got the tougher role because because yeah. he, he has to be up against this the entire time, 
and and bring in a level of normalcy to all this, you know, wild and crazy stuff and have you be able to relate to to Greg more than anything else because ultimately, I mean, as as with the book is like this is, you know, this is Greg's story. This is this is this is not Tommy's story. Yes. And I think, like, in that regard, it it, ha- it has to work to the benefit of both of them that they are brothers. And so that they can, especially if you're Dave, you can deal with a little more of that shit on the daily basis oh, yeah. than the rest of the people in the film. No, you know? that I, I completely agree with that, because if it were somebody else just having to deal with this all the time, and especially when your director is not breaking character or anything... And the majority of the movie is those two together. It can be wildly frustrating, I would imagine. So, yeah, just to have like, look, this is my brother. It's fine. You know, I'm, I, I he's been this crazy since I've known him. <laughs> right. So it's it's okay. But I would say, look, if you've if you've seen the movie, it's definitely worth a watch. And to me, what's cool about this is is that everything works separately. You can watch the room and enjoy the room for what it is. You can watch a disaster artist and and appreciate the room more. And you can actually read the disaster artist, and that also will help fill in a couple of blanks and give a little bit more depth to this uh, story so you'll know even more. So I think they can all work very well in concert together, and it's it's hard to find things that can actually do that. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. I think so. So, uh, uh yeah. One one thing we haven't talked about uh, is that this movie is fucking hilarious. Oh, it's fun. Yeah, it, it's definitely it's funny. It's funny as shit. Uh, like, it is a, a, uh, a comedy of errors in a very traditional sense. In that everything, like, that can go wrong goes wrong, but not because they're even trying to do things really uh, the way they should have been done. And it's kind of astounding. And, yeah. Now, I do want to say this. You know who I want to give the biggest shout-out to in this film, who I did not recognize? And I thought, the show did, I thought the movie did such a great job. Until the end, I was like, that was him? Was Zac Efron. Yeah. Zac Efron coming in as Chris R. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's so good. I'm like, I was like, that was Zac Efron. You could have fooled me, dude. It was that was to me that was the biggest. I was like, holy. Sh-. Now that I think about it, yeah, but wow, just he he was in that role, and you did not know. So good, and how they also like. And the funny part is, is the real life that comes along with that, where they were just like, this guy's the best actor here. He's not really because he was not an actor. He was just right. a guy. <laughs> And he did better than the majority of people in that damn thing who all purported themselves to be real actors. Uh, <laughs> but uh, definitely, uh, so the disaster artist out in theaters right now. Uh, check it out, everybody. Uh, well, let's get into it. Here is the trailer for Star Wars The Last Jedi. When I found you, I saw raw, untamed. Special. 
been there. Then I was awake. And I need help. I've seen this raw strength only once before. It didn't scare me enough then. It does now. The Last Jedi, our last new release review of the week. IMDb plotline, Ray develops her newly discovered abilities with the guidance of Luke Skywalker, who is unsettled by the strength of her powers. Meanwhile, the Resistance prepares to do battle with the First Order. This is written and directed by Brian Johnson. The first, or Ryan Johnson, rather, excuse me. Uh, the first person to actually write and di- solo write and direct a Star Wars movie, man. Woo! Yes. And... Uh, and anyone can say Although what it, assuredly helped by editorial committee over at there, Lucasfilm. Yeah, I'm sure there's a bit, a <laughs> bit of that, I'm sure. But, uh, you know, just as much as, you know, George Lucas wrote the first, uh, you know, uh, wrote A New Hope. That's bullshit. Right. Uh, that's really bullshit on his part, though. Because like, I, I honestly don't believe he wrote that at all. I mean, I think he wrote the story, but I don't think he wrote the screenplay. So, um, yeah. Yeah. We have not talked about this movie. We have not. Um, I'm going to come out real strong and go, uh, this movie is better than the force awakens. Ooh, very interesting because, uh, this movie has been quite divisive. Yeah. But uh, I think all that's bullshit. <laughs> and I'm gonna be honest with you. So do I. <laughs> oh, snap. Yeah. I think I, I, and here's the, and here's the thing. I'm going to start off by saying this. This yeah. mo- I don't believe this movie to be perfect. I believe this movie does indeed have flaws in it. There are some things in here that may not necessarily be the best, but overall, I really like this movie. And I and I think and and I think I'm going to like it much more upon subsequent viewings because yeah, I felt, second time I felt the end it. of this. I felt at the end of this exactly how I felt at the end of uh of of seven. Because at seven, I was like, I like that. I didn't love it, but I liked it a lot. And the more I've watched seven, the more I really, really appreciate it. And honestly, I watched it before this, before I watched this. And I went back and I go, you know what? 
it's actually really good. The Force Awakens is actually, I think, a really good movie. And I think this one it will end up being just as good for me because I, I kind of felt the same. And I think one of the big things that we can talk about, because I think people are going to talk about a lot of the big points of this film, whatever. But I think, yeah. I, I, because I think we're a little bit different than other folks. Uh, and we've talked about this uh, in regards to other movies, is your expectations for a movie, for what mm -hmm. you think a movie should be, what you wanted a movie to be. And as we've said on this show many a time, that's not up to you. Right. You don't get to choose what this movie is. If you could, you would make a movie, but you cannot well, this, make a movie. One thing that I really like about this movie is that it, it acknowledges that within the film's text. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of goes, ah, fuck all that. I mean, and you heard like, it there in the trailer. The thing. This is not what you are ex going to expect. Luke Skywalker says it in the trailer. And you know what? He's right. Yeah, I mean, this movie, I think, uh, rightfully so, and in the best ways, uh, does not care about your nostalgia for this franchise. Nope, it does not. It, and it does and, not. And every it, preconceived notion that you have and you thought that you had, it gave the middle finger to. But but in a really great way. I like, think There so. are some amazing turns in this, right? Like. Let's just, we're going to skip the bullshit. All of this is spoilers. I yep. think most everybody has seen this movie at this point. If you haven't, Jesus Christ, if go watch it. If you're a fan it. of this show, and, I'm And if you're not sure. going to see it, then who cares about you caring about spoilers? Right. Um, uh, <laughs> in the movie, one of the one of the things that I really enjoy is the relationship that, that plays out between Kylo Ren and Rey. Mm -hmm. And specifically... When he gets to the point of like telling her that she knows the truth about her parents and has always known mm -hmm. that they were, you know, drunk junkers who are laying lying dead in a pauper's grave somewhere. Yeah. In the desert on Jakku. That is that's it, right? That's like, okay. She ain't fucking Luke Skywalker's kid. She ain't nobody's kid. Loved it. And people seem to not take that seriously. They think Kylo Ren was fucking with Ray, but like her response in that scene clearly is that she knows that she the knows. Truth. Oh, she absolutely. Says it. She just goes, "Yeah, I basically I did know this, but I I'm sitting here ignoring it the whole entire time." And I want to point out to people, uh, the second movie in a trilogy called Star Wars, people also didn't believe that Darth Vader was Luke's father. And guess what? That was true as as the the sun will rise tomorrow. So. So not only that, but um, the way that Luke handles the idea that he's ever going to return in the way that people want him to return. Mm -hmm. Like, what do you think? I'm going to show up and take on the First Order by myself. And it's going to change the course of everything. Yeah. Uh, like, just completely undoes so much. And I, I get why people are kind of down on that. But, like, I found that after literally eight movies at this point really refreshing like eight main saga movies right not yeah. to mention whatever official ca uh, canon stuff there exists now in the extended universe uh the novels or the tv shows rebels and and Comics clone wars and all that jazz, yeah. um but like just to just to have one of the main saga texts just be like 
ah, fuck it. This is, this is reality now. Like we don't care about, uh, the old way of doing things. In fact, we got most of that wrong, right? Like, like Luke pretty much says like the Jedi got a lot of stuff wrong. That's because they believed in tradition and other things. And the, one of the scenes everybody seems to hate and correct me if you, if I'm wrong, but I've seen this going around. They hate the scene where Yoda shows up. Yeah. And, yeah. That's, that's, and destroys the Jedi tree, right? Where all the books are, mm-hmm. which, which he doesn't destroy the books, by the way, yeah. that's that he, yeah, the we, books are, we, were taken. Yeah. They're already on the Falcon when she leaves. Right. Mm-hmm. But Luke doesn't know that because he hasn't gone in there. Right. I, I guarantee you, that Yoda knows that shit, but he's teaching Luke a lesson. Exactly. Right. Um, in any case, people seem to hate that scene, but also like it's right. Right. Like there is nothing there in the tradition that you don't already know mm-hmm. that you can't move past and shouldn't move past. And this movie for me is just kind of all about that. Exactly. It's holding up star Wars in front of star Wars fans and I think in a polite way, telling them to shut up. Well, it's right there in the beginning of the film. The first time when Luke, when she hands Luke the lightsaber and he looks at it and tosses it just very casually over his shoulder. Nope. <laughs> that's it, right? Like that. That's the that's the beginning of it. It's like, oh well, this is not going to go the way that I think it's going to go for the next two hours and twenty minutes. Mm-hmm. It's just not going to go that way. And it's pretty defiant in how how much it is. There's also a really great uh, article I read about it um, where <laughs> the other thing that seems to be like people can't get their head around is like the weird Luke's this hermit on an island sequence daily routine montage mm-hmm. where he he goes and he uh, he drinks raw milk from the teat of <laughs> some fish. Uh, monster. It's thing. a little it's odd. Alien creature, I, right? I I uh, I espoused because of that scene and a couple other scenes that uh, I I could be wrong. I have a guess that Ryan Johnson might be vegan. I don't know. Well, uh, well, two things. One that I think is a is a nod to uh, the green milk that he drinks on Tatooine. Oh, it's blue, but okay. Well, whatever the fuck color it is, <laughs> right? I think it's a nod to that. But it's also like it's just fucking weird. Oh, it's weird. <laughs> and 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 like Star Wars people, they they've become a formula at this point. But can you imagine seeing Star Wars in 1977 and like it making any fucking sense to you whatsoever? I'm, I mean, how do you understand? How do you comprehend? The most Eisley Cantina. Well, that's the thing, and, and I have a sounding board for that. And my and because my dad, I'm a second generation nerd. My dad saw that movie when it came out, and he just because right. he was a giant sci fi fan and everything. He's like, we love Star Trek, we love all this stuff. But like when we went in there, we were not prepared for what we saw. It was something that was so wild and so crazy and so different than anything you've seen before it just blew your socks off because it was unparalleled. And I think some of the weird shit like, like him defiantly angrily drinking this milk (laughs) as he (laughs) stares down Ray. And I like, I I laughed in the theater when I saw, cause I was like, this is the most amazing goddamn thing I think I've ever seen in a star (laughs) Wars movie. 
because it's bad shit. Yeah, right? it, 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 <laughs> that like it a, is. Like you get us, and you get a sense of like the the potential mental effect of being a hermit that <laughs> that has taken place during Luke's time on this island. But but like this like is part Star of it. Like, are you being, judging me for drinking this milk? <laughs> <laughs> but like this is. This is Star Wars getting back down to brass tacks and and Ryan Johnson going like let's not be let's not be afraid to get fucking crazy. Let's not be afraid to be weird a little bit. Yeah. Right? Like all that stuff has to stay in that movie because it's so wonderful and it's not the only scene like that, right? Like the other the other thing that was kind of the the most um uh like defiant uh, socially commentary wise that star Wars has been in 30 years is during the Canto bite casino sequence. Uh, you know, people hate on that plot line because it's a diversion and I agree it is a diversion and you know, it ultimately leads to nowhere. Yeah. But one thing that's really great about it is that, uh, here's star Wars, a movie that at least in a couple of installments, is a fairly explicit critique of how shitty certain forms of of social structures and political structures can be. And here it is doing this in a way that is directly relatable to the current moment in a way that they haven't done since empire where it's just like, you know, these are all horrible people who are war profiteers and, They've enslaved people and they've enslaved uh, animals, right? Like there, there's something like very culturally critical about those scenes that I think goes back again to the heart of what the franchise has been in the past while also completely diverting from the formulaic aspects of it. Yeah, I mean, that bit was a little... I it's a, it was a little heavy-handed for my take. I mean, like, I get it. Yeah, of course. But, but, I mean, for fuck's sake, you're talking about a movie series where the central metaphor is people literally called stormtroopers are the bad guys. Yeah, that's fair. Right? So it's not, it's not, like, it's not like there's subtlety <laughs> in the social critiques and political critiques of the Star Wars franchise, right? Like, like, you have them dressed up in literal Nazi uniforms, for Christ's sake, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, less, yeah. so, so yeah, I get it. Right. It is, it is heavy handed and it is on the nose, but also, uh, I think that is just how the franchise handles things, but you haven't seen it do that type of thing in a while. Right. Like even, even in the prequel films, the fact of Anakin and his mom being enslaved, right. Mm -hmm. is kind of just treated as like a thing. It's There's a, no it's, real commentary on the how shitty the structure it's is. It's kind of throwaway or, almost, even. Yeah, right? Like, And so it's just like, well, you know, what you gonna do? I guess we'll buy this kid who's got fucking magic blood or whatever, which they also <laughs> completely ignore in this movie. It's great. Yeah, but I mean, like, but at that point, too, like in Phantom Menace, it's just like, yeah, they're technically slaves, but they, they live pretty well, it seems. It's. It, they, I mean, I guess if you can, if you can count, like, being constantly dirty without a place to shower and but they working had a, to the bone. They food. had a home. I mean, well, I mean, you know, slaves had cabins on plantations. I, I Adam, just, I didn't, I didn't but, think it looked that bad. <laughs> well, if you want to, let's get, hope, 
Let's hope you're not ever resurrected back in the 1850s. Listen, I just Christ, show me something that's worse. I I want to say that's my problem. I didn't sympathize but, with the slavery. That was my problem. But, but, I wanted right, to. That that's exactly my point, right? Like it's not even fucking made into a thing that it so obviously is. That's what I'm saying, right? Yeah. Um. So so like it's it's a problem that is never addressed, and here they're like at least doing that a little bit. Um. What else? I actually really liked the Finn and Rose storyline overall. I just wish it. I, I, I listen. Uh, first of all, I, I, I liked it for what for kind of the interaction. Ultimately, it led nowhere. It didn't do a whole lot, and ultimately, it, it the way that it ended, it, it, that pissed me off. I'll be honest. That was like, and I'm going to have kiss? to watch it again. Not, I mean, the fact that she did what she did. Period. Pissed me off. Well, I mean, well, I mean, I, I guess so, but like. That's that's also Ryan Johnson fucking around a little bit with canon, right? Now, like, now I like his like, I like his that, response because like that's and, the but that's that's the that's the the <laughs> if you're looking at analogs and how this movie's tweaking things, whose kiss is that? Uh, the Luke Leia one, I guess. I don't know. No, Luke, Luke and Han, or I mean Leia and Han, right? Okay. It's Leia and Han. It, it's tweaking that uh, relationship a little bit. Like things don't have to be you running off and being a badass. But Han did that's not something. how we that win things. Point. Uh, see, I uh, I don't know. And that's but, but Han Han does what? But like Han does, he comes back. He deserts right. and comes back. Yeah, 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 of course, right. But like I think that's beside the point. the The point here is that the reason that all of that did not did not do anything and that their plot to uh, subvert the tracking device fails ultimately is because Finn and Poe are attempting to do things like people would have done them in the original films. Okay. And if you're saying that that shit doesn't work, which is Luke's entire point the, the like literally the entire point of the movie being that the old way does not get results clearly because the first order is literally just the empire again you have to change and so but that right, literally would you have just changed impulsively go but he literally would have done something like that that would have destroyed that cannon period maybe him going into it maybe her saving is is we, we, uh, we don't know that right like right would, give him a chance to commit serpico and fucking do the, the do the do the do the do man what purpose does that serve right like, the like, needs of the of the many outweigh the needs of the few kill yourself if you're gonna look if you're gonna kamikaze here and here's the thing the, his character but doesn't the point do, is but but the point is what she says if everyone dies because they're fighting for the thing What's the thing worth? But if one dies to save a, a million, wouldn't that be worth it? Except that it, it wouldn't have been, right? Because also there's no guarantee that that thing would have blown up. It, like, it's, it's the, the battering ram cannon is converted Death Star technology, right? Do you think that a fighter jet flying into the cannon beam of a death star is going to blow up the death star well let's let's point out another little thing if, with, with that fun question is then why doesn't everyone just do what what laura dern ended up doing 
all the time, everywhere, about everything. Just fly, like, you know, send one kamikaze or, fuck, a droid out because to... It, because, one, that's, that's not actually that effective, right? Well, all that did was get them to the surface. It didn't destroy the, the dreadnought. It chopped it in half. Yeah, of course. But then they still took all their fucking forces down to the surface to, to try and kill the rest of the rebels, right? I'm saying, why did, like, it seems like... The, the point, all of the point, Adam, is that you can't do shit that, that will... That will negatively impact even the like single sacrifice. The noble sacrifice is completely undone as an idea in this movie. Then why didn't Laura she send Dern's, a droid out to do it as opposed to her? Because she's the captain of the ship. A, a droid couldn't have I, done this. There, there's still there's yeah, a droid could have done it, but that wasn't going to be the plan, right? The the plan was that nobody knew that there were going to be the shuttles out there to begin with, so there was no need for her to do that. Right? Watch this again. Like it, it it's a <laughs> it's a change of circumstance that impacts that plot point. Maybe again, again I'm not crapping on. It's I'm not just a maybe. It's points. a fucking. It's literally the way the plot plays out. I have to watch it again. Is the plan <laughs> changes? Because Guillermo del or fucking Benicio del Toro's character informs them that the shuttles are on their way to the surface, and so they change what they're firing at. And so, in order for the for them to escape down to the surface, Laura Dern has to change the plan. That's just how the plot plays out. You know? Okay. Again, I've seen it just the once now, so I'm you know. <laughs> Uh, let's talk about Luke. People seem to be uh, most contentious about how the film handles him, I guess. Okay. In what way? I mean. Uh, in many ways, right? That he doesn't, uh, that, he, that he's a fucking weirdo. Well, that, if you're hanging <laughs> out on top of, you know, uh, on, a, on a rock in the middle of nowhere with a bunch of other creatures as your only that, companions. That he doesn't, that he doesn't get a traditional, like what they would think of as a hero's moment. Although I, I argue he does. And in fact, uh, it has, I think maybe the most badass Luke Skywalker moment ever in a Star I would Wars agree. movie. In this now, uh, I asked this on film fine. Um, when did you figure out that he wasn't there? Cause for me, it was, it was the get of go when he met Leia. I was just like, Oh, he's not really there. Cause he well, looked young. I thought, I thought something was up because of the way he looked, right? Yeah. He looked like the last time we saw him in those flashbacks, which was mm -hmm. the last time that Kylo Ren saw him. Right? right. So I knew something was up. Like maybe he was just fucking with him in some way. Um, but what really, what really was, was when he stepped out, there's no footprints. See, I didn't notice the footprint stuff. I've there's heard people no talk about that, but I, out there, right? but I didn't notice. And, and I think that's a huge portion, aside from it looking cool, like I think that's a huge part of why they make a big deal about showing the guy step out onto the, uh, onto the salt flat and make, like, make those red marks where you can see down to the, to the dirt. Yeah, which, by the way, looks super cool. Oh, yeah, it looks really cool. But, but right, like when you look at that fight scene again, it serves a very clear purpose of, oh, Luke is not making footprints here. Mm. Also, if you notice, uh, this, I didn't, I didn't actually notice it the first time or think about it until afterwards, but, um, 
in in the in the battle, uh, they don't actually connect lightsabers. Oh, that I noticed. I didn't I didn't notice it because it was like you know it was a traditional like samurai battle. It was a lot of dodging, right? Yeah. Um, but they didn't connect, which I thought like so, even super cool looking too. Oh yeah, right. And it and you don't even really notice it unless you're like already hyper aware that something is wrong. Yeah, I like think. I mean that was like because to me that was like the big thing of like oh I you know I pretty much like I had already had a good inkling. I was like I was ninety percent on board, and I wasn't watching that sort. Of, I wasn't watching like the footprint sort of thing. But I'm like he never once touched. They never once touched swords. So I thought that was a big. Uh, that yeah. was a big thing. But I did, real quick, when I said the word swords here, I want to go back for half a second here. Yeah. And again, I think Ryan Johnson, again, sort of kind of giving the middle finger to Star Wars, and just because he literally said, he literally used the word laser sword, which I feel yeah. was a swipe at George Lucas, not knowing oh, yeah. the not knowing the name of the thing that is in his own, that he wrote, he supposedly wrote down on a piece of paper, <laughs> the word lightsaber, but yet in an interview, the man can never say the word lightsaber. He always says laser sword, which again makes me think George Lucas did not write the screenplay for New Hope. It just didn't happen, people. <laughs> But I feel that that was a swipe directly at Lucas, and though I don't think Lucas would ever know, because he's stupid. Uh, I mean, maybe, <laughs> but but I do like uh, that that he used that uh, laser sword. Um, I think actually, like Luke is a total badass in this movie, right? Like he's yeah. exactly like I would imagine him to have been uh, if I didn't know how like the most recent films had gone mm -hmm. right so like if if i just took as a starting point uh, uh return of the jedi and then leapt into the future 35 years right this is the luke i can imagine from that yeah right he's broken in some way he's a little bit cynical uh he uh has much like Yoda was like people don't realize like Yoda was a fucking weirdo too. Oh, very much. Right. Like he lived in the middle of fucking nowhere. He talked in goddamn riddles all the time. Uh, he, he played around like, with, with his guest and just was just like, Oh, I'm not really going to answer your questions. I yeah. kind of want to see where you're going with stuff. So I'm going to mess with you for a bit. And, and Ben Kenobi was like that a little bit a touch. in Alec Guinness's portrayal a little bit. Right with Luke, and um, it also shows how good Alec Guinness at, at was. As, well, at least as far as like dodging specifics, right? And, yeah, I, and I, being vague about things. Um, some of it may be a little bit in the in the kind of post, like, oh well, uh, you know, I, I, right. I didn't I didn't tell him he was your father on account of wanting to spare your feelings. Uh, also, we didn't think that would far in advance. Yeah, also, also that was not going to be what happened. And that's kind of some uh, bullshit we made up. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, but yeah, I just think Luke is a total badass weirdo, um, who has a lot that he's, I, I mean, that, that scene with Yoda where, where Yoda tells him, like, he just has to move past. There's nothing that is in those books that Ray doesn't already have within her. Um, I think that's the point that Luke actually realizes that, um, he has no place in the story beyond a certain point. Mm -hmm. And the only thing for him to do is to pull the ultimate Jedi move, which has become one with the force. Literally. Yeah. yeah. 
And I think at the same time, too, it is, like like I said, this was kind of a, when, when Yoda just goes like, oh, so all, all these things that you revered and everything in there, oh, real page turners, were they? And, and again, I think this is him also going out to people that are, that probably, because I think most people do, uh, uh-huh. a lot of people that consider themselves Star Wars fans, but probably not as big a fan as they probably think they are. Most people. Now there are certainly crazies out there. We all know them, but uh, I think there's enough people out there that believe that they're giant star Wars fans when they're really not as big a star Wars fans as they think they are. Right. And you know, and basically just going, look, here's what you think's going to happen. Here's what you, you know, know what's going to be there. No, these things, they, they don't really matter as much as you think that they matter. They really don't. So we're going to go and we're going to continue on from here. And there's nothing you can really do about it. Now, and again, having the books already on the William Falcon, that's like saying, we're not touching the stuff that you already had. You know, we yeah. didn't, we did not destroy those. We did not destroy the past. Yeah, it's still, but we had to make a point. It's still there. But you also have to realize that symbolically, we're going to kind of, we are going to kind of destroy that a little bit. It, the, they're still there on the side, but what you see here as the legacy of everything that you've got, you're going to have to let that go. And I yeah. like that. And I think yeah, I, when we get beyond this point, because they've said, hey, Ryan Johnson, do you want to do a trilogy of Star Wars films that have zero to do with all this shit? And he says, yes. I think this is a great distinction that we have to start making to realize that the, the land of Star Wars, as it is owned by Disney now, needs to exist outside of the Skywalker verse, if you will. Okay. And this yes. is basically saying we have to drop the past in order to embrace the future. In order to get those those new Star Wars films that aren't a Star Wars story, which you know have been good so far. Uh, but you you need to embrace it, man. You need to get outside of that box and try try other things. And if you want Star Wars to continue on as it's as it's as it's planned right now with Disney, you're gonna have to do some new stuff. So get on board or get out. Yeah. Well, I mean, he hasn't really revealed anything uh, about, about those films yet, but I'm really intrigued as to what he's going to do. Yeah. Um, uh, supposedly, he, it's he's, nothing that's really like out there no, right now. Nothing. Yeah, nothing related uh, to to the main saga. I know uh, he doesn't know where in the timeline it fits yet. I've seen him talk about that. And he's definitely shot down um, old Republic stuff. Yeah, it's definitely not going to be that. Uh, yeah, I think it needs I to be know. something I, that nobody knows because, like, my friend Brian, who we went to go see the film with, he was just like, "Oh, they need to, you know, Darth Revan stuff," and I like, I want them to do that. I'm like, no, I don't want them to do anything that's established. I want us to go all brand new, and 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 feel what it feels like to feel brand new Star Wars and something is so vast and different and strange than what we've had to where Star Wars becomes. Not the again, not the saga of the Skywalkers, but uh, um, like literally in and of itself, kind of a brand of of movie, if you will. If that yeah. makes sense. Yes, and here's what here's what I want. Like almost, my dream... oh, like think about it. Like Star Wars is what Marvel is because Marvel movies aren't all the same, right? 
you know, Spider-Man is different than, you know, the Avengers is different from Captain America is different from Iron Man, but they're all Marvel movies. We need to have like Star Wars. They're Star Wars movies, but they're not necessarily all, you know, connected per se, but they're all within that same universe kind of thing. I guess that's my best analogy. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, lit- literally all he's pitched, I think, was uh, like, let's tell a story over three movies that is uh, completely new. Hey, look, they're down. And, on, and they're I want to board. Do. Yeah, I am, too. I, I want to see it. I, I like I like I mean, the idea. It excites me, you know. Well, and, and quite frankly, um, after after the next one, that will be nine movies that have explored the Skywalker stuff. Mm hmm. And I don't know that I need any more. And technically, when we get to it, it'll be so 10, 11. 11 movies that have dealt with the Skywalker in one way or the other. Han Solo movie, we can still count that Skywalker era-esque, well, if you will. Well, yeah, I mean, it's part of the main saga. I mean, Rogue One is tangential. And then that's right? what I'm saying. But it's still within but, that milieu of, of that time period is what I'm, I guess yeah. is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, what I really want, uh, to, to be quite honest, especially knowing, uh, like, like I fucking love rogue one. Yeah. Uh, I like that movie more than both of these movies actually, um, for all its flaws. And, and there are many in that movie, but I, but I like that movie for doing a lot of things that are quite different from every other star Wars film. Uh, I want, uh, like a straight up series of, uh, battlefront slash rogue squadron movies. Mm hmm set during whatever fucking period. I don't care. Like, just give us that. Like, let us see what this war really looks like on, and yeah, and, on a and honest galactic to God, scale. Depending upon how, you know, the next episode ends, who knows where we can go from there, right? Who yeah. Knows? I mean, I, I imagine that the first order will actually be like for real vanquished, which will leave the empire completely behind. But after that, what do you do? Mm-hmm. What's going on? What happens in the far reaches of the galaxy? Are there still rebel squadrons that haven't gotten word, right? Does it become a, a tail end of Vietnam situation or right. tail end of world war two, where like all those Pacific islands, uh, had not gotten word from the, their Japanese command that they had, yeah. uh, that the war had been over. And so they just kept, fighting for years yeah and see here's the thing and that like this these ideas scare some star wars fans for me it excites me like that kind of stuff where this can go uh i mean to me it's again it's also like the marvel films when the marvel films end up and i just go gosh i can't wait to see what they do next star wars is getting that way with me to where you know as much as a fan of star wars as i am uh, you know, I was always just like, oh, more stuff. I don't know. Could this be good? Uh, you know, too much of a good thing or whatever, or, you know, stretching it thin. Uh, but it, at their pace now, it's getting like the Marvel movies. I can't wait to see what they do next. I'm I'm digging where things are going. And that's, to me, that's, as a fan, that's exciting. Yeah. I just, you know, I Thanks. think people need to let go of their stuff. And because th- this... <laughs> when people left Force Awakens, they were just like, "Oh, it's just a repeat. Oh, this is not that good." And you know, and then then by when this one comes out, people are like, "Sweet Christ, I can't wait till we bring back JJ." You know, and people wanted JJ's head on a pike at the end of that flick, and wrongly so, but that's what I, they wanted. 
I have to say that of everything going like I am so not interested in JJ Abrams making the next movie. I'm fine with it. I'm I'm okay with it, but I absolutely don't give a shit. I just think that they want to I, I don't I think I couldn't tell you why. I think that I think that he is the most lackluster name filmmaker of the last twenty years. <laughs> like I just fucking do not care about that dude whatsoever. Uh, his dis his distinctive style is fucking lens flare. And that's all I need to know about it. Well and it's not that and it's not that that's terrible, but like that's your style. Get the fuck out, man. I'll put it this way. I think the one of the main reasons that they were bringing him back on board was they want some they want to make sure that they can at least end this thing out with somebody who's not going to fuck it up. And the reason I say that is is like look at some of their other stuff that they've had to go and replace directors and stuff on recently. Uh, yeah, I, although I, you know, know, like like I'm all fine with uh, with Ron Howard doing the Han Solo and being brought in to do that shit. Um, don't you really think it would have been interesting to see what a slapstick Han Solo movie would have been like? I feel like it would have been right in line with the goddamn character. I mean, probably, but I, again, I, I, who knows how far they pushed it at the same time, too. I just, it's, I don't know. And here's the thing. At this point, given the record of, of the parent companies and stuff that have been doing this, and I got to figure that they're hiring the right people, it all, to me, it all goes back to Ant-Man. Uh, we all love Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright does great stuff. We can all agree on that. And then when they said Edgar Wright is off Ant-Man, everybody's like, oh, fuck, what, what's going to happen with this Ant-Man? Is this going to turn out any good? And guess what? It turned out fabulous. And oh, yeah. at this well, point, look, I, like, I think whatever they wanted. Ron Howard. I, I was just saying, like, like, you know, Disney. One thing that has been consistently frustrating with these films and hopefully Ryan Johnson's success with Last Jedi and they're trusting him with the with this new trilogy will break a little bit of that is like. They don't let films breathe in different ways, right? Like they've been fairly conservative as far as what they're doing. So like, like what's what was the original cut of Rogue One that they that they got scared about? Right? Yeah. Mm. By all by all accounts, it was a traditional war film that did not have as much of the uh straight up Star Wars um, plotting and structure that they went in and re-added to the film. But let's be honest, though. That end, that's worth that reshoot altogether. Although I think a lot, like a portion of that was shot. And, and like, I don't think Not a lot of knowledge. the shit was the end. I think some of it was the end because they had to refit it into a more traditional Star Wars format. As as is my understanding, the whole uh, the whole Vader right. coming yeah. in and laying waste was all all added. Yeah, it, yeah, of course it was right. But like, if you watch those trailers, there is clearly far more combat that they shot before that. Right, there are entire scenes in the trailers during that finale. That I never are not watched in that film. again. That comes back to me not watching trailers. So, like when people were but, just like X and Y and Z I'm weren't in there, I'm like, like, I didn't see like, this. I know that they reshot portions of that ending, but the ending was going to be the ending, regardless of the reshoots. Okay, what they reshot was to make it fit into a more traditional structure and formula, because they're like. That ending was not the ending of that fucking movie. They they completely changed Jen Erso's character from being this 
thief and criminal to somebody who was more uh, palatable. Right. She wasn't quite as uh, unlikable and rebellious as she was originally written by all accounts of people who had knowledge of this stuff. Uh, they're, they play things really close to the chess. And so I like as much as I like the guy, that's why Ron Howard's making Han Solo movie. Right. Is like Ron Howard is the reliable dude you bring in yeah, who, who can make a really solid flick. He'll do what he's kind of told, but can do so uh, has enough style. Maybe not even what he's told, but he 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 is just he gets the script. He makes that fucking script the best that it can be. Right. Yeah. Uh, I guess, I guess and there's nothing wrong with that, but that's Disney's whole fucking game plan. Right. And they and they do it time and again and time and again. And so I'm really hoping that they really let the fuck up going forward from here. It can be, but at the same time, it's one of those, it's going to be hard to argue with the old, if it ain't broke, don't try to fix it kind of thing. And they, they go, Hey, we kind of know best. And if it works, it's tough to argue with results. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I I, look, I I think both, I think there are definitely arguments for both. Absolutely. So it's a, it's, and, and honestly, I also think but, we live but, in a but world. But in any case, I'm not, I'm not worried about any of that shit as much as I just don't care that J.J. Abrams. No, that's it. fair enough. But I, I think like, my I point so is, is like, we also know way too much about, about because of the internet and all the connectivity and stuff. We know way too much about the making of all, all these films and stuff than we, than we should. And that can, you know, and that can fuck with your head. It can. And make uh, it. Yeah, I guess so. Because it, Although, we, we just like, did, we used to just didn't know. We just went to a movie and that was the movie. And now that that and people are going, although they went through reshoots. Movies go through reshoots all the time, all the time. Oh yeah, I'm all not I'm time. not worried about when movies go through reshoots. That does not worry me. What I'm more interested in is did they make the film somehow more conservative and worse because they did the reshoots because they didn't trust what they were doing. Yeah, I mean, and and knowing that it's Disney. I will say that uh, with a certainty that is the case every single time they do it. But when that's Disney, but yeah, that's I'm true, just saying but that's when why it's... they brought JJ Abrams back, right? They want right. this fucking safe ass shit that that movie will reverse like all the stuff that, that we just talked about liking about Ryan, jo- the, the weird ass shit, the humor, all of that thing. That's Ryan Johnson. Right. But what if it doesn't a- Abrams what? is not going to do that shit. What okay? Well, let's all right. We're gonna mark it right here. I'm not gonna say it's gonna be bad. I'm just saying, watch it be a reversion. Okay. Because okay. because of Abrams, whatever the fuck. Okay. We're we're marking this here because in two years time, we're coming back, and yeah, it's gonna, we're gonna see anyway. And we're because we're gonna do it, you know. <laughs> uh, so I believe JJ is gonna stay a little bit more on board with this. You think this is gonna revert this? Okay. I look. I, I'm interested either way. I just know that that guy. Uh, has made Star Wars aside one and a half movies. Oh, I disagree with that, but okay. <laughs> That's a whole nother discussion. It's <laughs> a whole nother discussion. We don't have time to get into. That's uh, true. So, uh, what the, what in the sweet fuck is coming out next week, man? Uh, Darkest Hour is going wide, I believe. Okay. Um, what the fuck else? There's other things. I heard some uh, heard some good things about it. Jumanji. That's it. Jumanji and Last uh, in uh, yep. Pitch Perfect Three. Those are going to be your big ones. Now I know what some of you are probably thinking. Well, hey, they're all, also getting uh, like all this shit's coming out. Uh, Jumanji, uh, Pitch Perfect Three, uh, Greatest Showman. It's going to come out. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Father Figures is coming out on the 22nd. Well, if there's one I want to strike off the list first. Just get it out of the way. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Uh, and then probably by the time we record, we'll see if we uh, we can do this. But uh, there are two big Christmas releases. I could see Father Figures, or I could see Star Wars another time. I think I'm gonna see Star Wars again. But but the, but you know the ne- the next episode will come out after Christmas, right? Next week we're gonna drop Shape of Water, uh, and then we'll we'll do a little something extra. But we also have uh, all the money in the world on Christmas Day. And Phantom Thread on Christmas Day. I don't know how wide they're going yet. I haven't seen. But uh, I would imagine all the money in the world goes wide that day. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how they want to. It's it's going to be an interesting time. I'll say that. <laughs> but look, if there's oh, yeah. if there's anybody who can pull that kind of stuff off, it's going to be, you know, I'd say Ridley Scott or, uh, or David Fincher. Those are the only two I'd really trust to, to you know, pull the monumental task that they've done so uh yeah i mean i yeah whatever yeah so that is it everybody join us back here next week when we review a ton of stuff you know because it's a, that time of a year. variety of things variety of things and then, and then with, more stuff after that with which for your eyes and ears to partake mm-hmm. but if you'd like to get that uh, shape of water episode right now how about you head on down to patreon.com slash the film find and uh, hit us up, man. And, uh, of course, you'll be getting some more things, including, guess what, our special little talk about the room as well. And then Matt's going to do some other. Dude, we got so much stuff coming your way. You'd be a damn fool not to go down to patreon.com slash the film find and join in up today. In the meantime, Matt, where can we find more of your work on the Internet? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Matt Boyd Smith. I'll throw stuff out there all the time just follow me over there throw it at him people throw it at him all the day long and of course uh here moviepodcast.com and uh, all the other jazz men you guys know what the deal is um that's it so join us next week when we talk all the stuff from matt smith i'm adam portress see you next time
Thank you. 